Today on New Mexico Rising, we are going to be having a conversation with Anna Garner. In 1978, Anna earned a Bachelor of Science in Biology from the University of New Mexico with a math minor. She went on to obtain her Juris Doctorate from the University of New Mexico Law School. Over the last four years, or four decades, excuse me, Garner put her educational work in the realms of complex medical malpractice and FDA litigation. Her deposition experience earned her a National Institute for Trial Advocacy Deposition Training Faculty position at UNM Law School. She's recently gained national attention as the lead counsel in several New Mexico lawsuits in a pushback against coronavirus-related restrictions and mandates. And as the founder of New Mexico Stands Up, she has partnered with similar organizations across the country. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to hear her speak in person, and we are excited to have her on the show today. But before we get into that, Thad, it looks like the governor is ready to fight crime in New Mexico. Yes, Sean. As her largest metropolitan area that she has jurisdiction over approaches 85 homicides for the year, the governor decided to sit down with our, our girl Tessa to basically outline her plans to fight crime. So, you know, I kind of look at this as kind of like, these are the consequences of how we started, right? So she outlined right. a plan that like public safety will be made the top priority during the next legislative session. Luhan Grisham also revealed her plan for $100 million to hire a thousand more officers statewide. Funny. Weird. Yeah, funny, because I tend to remember about a year ago, this is how we started. A middle movement to defund the police. ABQ mayor, that's Tim Keller, created a new public safety department to address social issues. Again, noted, this was about a year ago. This is how we started. Yeah. Well, home to Route 66. Here's how we started, ladies and gentlemen. This is the ACLU at the time bolstering this effort, basically saying defunding the police will actually make us safer. Albuquerque's vision for no, no non-police first responders comes down to earth. That down to earth, ladies and gentlemen, is the 84th homicide of the year, according to KOB. So I am glad that is now that we're getting kind of close to an election year that she's going to get a little serious about crime but this whole thing of spending a hundred million dollars for a thousand new you know police and you know first responders in this in the sense of crime is basically juxtaposition with the you know the sentiment last year of defunding or reimagining the police these are the unintended consequences of this bleeding heart feel-good nonsense there are now eight bodies piling up in the streets of the metro areas. I don't even, I just follow Albuquerque. I don't even yeah. know what's going on in places like Las Cruces. I don't even, I couldn't even fathom what's happening in the hinterlands of this state where we don't have a whole lot of the, you know, cameras putting, you know, putting, you know, putting sights on bodies in the street. But I'm glad that she has joined the rest of us who want something done about the crime here in the state. Well, you know, I hate to say it, but it's a bunch of self-serving garbage. I don't believe it for a minute. I mean, she'll use any excuse she can to spend money. We would love to have her on the program to talk about it. 
Uh, but I doubt that'll ever happen. Baca will be working on that. Um, but yeah, it's just more the same. And what's even more disturbing to me is the blatant propaganda of oh, yeah. KOBF. And, and uh, you know, it's good that NBC has decided to put so much work and, and, you know, Tessa has decided to go have this sit down with the governor in which they bring up graphics that show her plan. And it really looks more like a campaign ad than a news report. But, you know, that's that's fine. They're 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 unbiased journalism, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, completely okay. unbiased. I mean, you know, look, look at, you know, for example, you know, you got this right. Like, boom. All right. We're going to do the. You know, hundred yeah. million. You know, a uh, uh, hundred million for a thousand officers and stuff like that. It's like almost like she's giving a like a PowerPoint presentation, yeah. right? And I'm like, okay, that's good, um, but I didn't see in any effort or in during this interview for Tessa to push back and be like, well, what about you know the year, two years prior of I don't know giving lip service to this defund the police movement? Where where where, where was that? Well, I think this is more this is more of the constituency that, quite frankly, doesn't remember what happened three months ago. And yes. and I think that is to blame for a lot of the problems that we see is people have no memory. They don't. And they don't tend to remember that, you know, it was two weeks to slow to, to flatten the curve, two weeks to slow to spread. Um, we were supposed to open back up this summer and now we're opening back up with caveats we're using flawed metrics we're using flawed reasoning we're going we're going to go back into this kind of um well, i guess this posture that we were in last fall when of course cases rose and again cases are not triage the way they define it now case is just hey someone tested positive on a test um hospitalizations are what matter and generally speaking yeah hospitalizations are up but hospitalizations are are generally always up well um, yeah, and, and yeah, because we were... because most 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 health systems run at or near capacity as much as they can because they're those, those numbers are obviously manipulated and so... and and i very much look forward to digging into that uh i think we beat up on the governor on the crime issue plenty but there's plenty yeah. of things there's to, other criminal to, activity to that she's involved in, to account yes. <laughs> and and today we were joined by anna gardner Anna, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of become a thing we do on this show, you know, just in general when we have somebody on where we like to get a feel for who they are as a New Mexican um, and their experiences in this state. So why don't you take a minute and just tell us about your personal experience in the land of enchantment? Well, uh, yeah, I've lived here for uh, pretty much most of my life since I was in college. And I finished my undergrad at UNM, like you said, and finished law school at U University of New Mexico Law School. Um, but, you know, my whole life changed just like everyone else's did in about March of 2020 uh, when we had our first lockdown. And that, that whole thing was so fraudulent based on false law and false science. And I dived into the research uh, like crazy to see what I could find. And at that point, it, things were still not so heavily censored that you actually could find information about what was going on. Sure. But, you know, uh, I, I got called by God to do this mission. I, I should have retired and lived the nice life as a retired, you know, 
lady and this just called me in and I'm, I just jumped into it. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that God did call me into it because I feel like I have a voice here and I can, I can just speak the truth. That's all I can do. Sure. You know, in early May, the Santa Fe, New Mexican reported that reams of evidence, this quote, reams of evidence and data show coronavirus shots work well and come with minimal risk, public health officials say. And yet a backdraft of skepticism persists. What do you think is driving skepticism and hesitancy in this state? Well, I would hope that it is intelligence, actually, because the people who are intelligent are doing their research and they're finding out that we have been lied to so much. We have been programmed and lied to, and they're still lying to us. Everything that comes out of the mouth of the mainstream news or newspapers is either you're either uninformed or misinformed. So you cannot trust these sources for your news. You've got to do the research yourself. And I'm a researcher and I, and I will read the scientific stuff. I'll read the science articles, but what's driving it is there are so many side effects and they're being reported in the VAERS system, which is the only one accessible to the public. And we know they're underreported in the VAERS system. So anything that is reported in the VAERS system, multiply it by 10 to 100 times to get an accurate count of the adverse effects, including the deaths. At this point, there have been more deaths from the uh, shots. They're not vaccines, they're bioweapons. There have been more deaths from the shots than there have been from COVID. And they, they misrepresented the number of deaths in, the, in COVID due to COVID. And there are several whistleblowers in many states who work for either coroner's offices or, or some other place that has a reporting of deaths. And they know that they're fraudulently reporting COVID deaths, deaths with, quote, COVID based on a faulty PCR test versus a death from COVID. Very different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've been quoted as calling Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was our Lord and Savior uh, from the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, a liar. And, uh, and you and I, actually you've gone on to state very controversially that there is no pandemic. Why is her Fauci a liar and why is there no pandemic? Fauci is a psychopath, just like most of them in office right now, just like our governor is. And he's a liar because he has a vested interest in the the whole uh, end game of having people, quote, vaccinated. He he is uh, NIH paid millions of dollars to Wuhan labs for gain of function research. That means gain of function means they are attempting to make a regular virus far more lethal. So we know that this was a bioengineered virus. It is not, uh, it's not found in nature. It was bioengineered with the idea that uh, the coronavirus had already been patented, by the way, years before it ever appeared on the scene in, in uh, China. And he has interest in the, uh, the patents that are filed and also in the patents for the cure for SARS-CoV-2. And yeah. no, it was not a novel coronavirus at all. This, is, this has been around a while. Well, yeah, and I think everybody who's, who's paid attention to it can say that with great confidence now that it was created in a lab. I, I, there really is no debate on that. They keep pushing it. But that's just more of the same. You know, one thing with you, you've been a very vocal opponent to masking, you know, and, and like I say, all transparency, 
you know, we here at New Mexico Rising really are as well. But what is the science behind your opposition? There was a study done in Vietnam of thousands of healthcare workers. And this was back uh, a few years before this all came about. So they weren't biased in favor of the state narrative. They actually did this in healthcare workers. And, and it was to determine whether the N95 masks, which are the ones that keep out 95% of airborne bacteria, mm-hmm. Uh, if, if they would have a reduced rate of influenza. And sure enough, they didn't. And in fact, there's another study where uh, in a British hospital, the doctors, the surgeons and nurses decided to see what would happen if they stopped wearing masks altogether. And do you know that infection rates went down and sicknesses went down? So the mask is not only not effective, it's counterproductive. It will cause more disease than it prevents. And it certainly has caused a lot more panic and fear in people Mm -hmm. and isolating people from the people who think that the mask work and that all of us healthy people, which are being deemed asymptomatic, we're not asymptomatic, we're healthy, you know? (laughs) So we are now some vectors of of terrible disease and and people shy away from us because we won't wear a mask. So why do you believe that uh, this totem that is the mask is so popular among public health officials? I mean, you know, uh, you've said that mass mandates are kind of useful for separating and identifying the compliant, non-compliant. I mean, why do they like this? You know, why do they hold on to this totem? I mean, what do you see as a long-term purpose for, you know, making us wear these things? Well, I think there are a few things here. It is it is designed to separate the compliant from the non-compliant and, and identify uh, those of us who are resisting or opposing these stupid mandates. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is it will create in our children who have zero risk of dying from this disease. And the children are being disproportionately affected by these kinds of draconian measures. And so when a child is wearing the mask now, the child cannot breathe. They get headaches. They, they get fearful of going to school. They then become fearful of other people who are not wearing masks. The parents don't know this is child abuse. They need mm-hmm. to take the mask off the children. It's weakening them. It's conditioning them to have this compliance with a stupid law instead of pushing back. We've all been so programmed, and I'm really trying to get the message out that, you know, look at your programming. Look at it. Why do you just immediately trust that that someone in government or somebody who's got a white lab coat on knows more than you do about your body? No. They, you know, the governor's practicing medicine without a license by doing this, and the schools are doing it. And it's ridiculous. Everybody's practicing medicine without a license here. Yeah, I think I think that another thing that's understated is what it does to a child's psychological development. Um, A lot of communication is based on being able to read people's facial expressions. So the more children, especially young children, interact with people who have a mask on, it's going to be counterproductive to that. And that's just lots of psychology that's been studied over the years. This is a known thing. Um, And nobody seems to care about that. I mean, really what we're looking at long term is that a lot of children could see, you know, essentially symptoms of autism as a result of this, where they're not able to communicate effectively with other human beings. And it's interesting that we see this all being used in the midst of a propaganda campaign and everything else. And they're trying to limit our communications online, in person and otherwise. Which kind of brings us back to this idea where they're separating society as far as compliant and non-compliant 
you, I mean, is that another aspect of this, you think, where they're just really trying to identify opposition to the next coming mandate, whatever it may be? I think that there are a lot of issues involved in this and certainly conditioning the children right now uh, to always be wearing a mask. That our, It's our God-given fundamental right to be able to breathe. It's not even listed in the Constitution because it's such an obvious human right to breathe. And, and they're stripping away all of our rights. And everything in this system is broken. All the rules have been broken. They're not acting lawfully. They're not acting uh, uh, in, in consistently with our Constitution of the United States or our Constitution of New Mexico. And they're not acting consistently with science either. And they're trying to bluff all of us and pull this crimes against humanity on the whole planet. They're trying to do it everywhere. And and I need to let people know, things are happening in other countries that are even worse than they are here in New Mexico. And believe me, if we don't stop it here in New Mexico, it's coming here next. So we yeah. have to stop this nonsense. All we have to do is look at Australia to see and our future. Yes. And um, it's funny how the, the, the studies about the psychological effects in the um, developmental effects that having these masks on these children are it's funny how this disappeared or to very least a lot of aspects of studies in the past that basically reinforced this have been you know disappeared buried i mean you even had people coming out and saying that oh no there's no long-term detrimental effects that these children wearing these these masks these totems and stuff like that they, they're, they're literally changing in real time a, what was established child psychology and science when it comes to development, when it comes to kids using and needing and requiring facial expressions to, you know, to understand communication, to develop communication skills, to actually start like, you know, what is the whole, what is the adage about, you know, the homeschool versus the public school? We need to socialize them. How is it? This is not socializing them by having them wear this thing. And, and I, 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 I for one think it is child abuse. I, for one, it makes me cringe when I walk into a local supermarket or in RC out in public and see a three, four, five, six year old wearing a mask. It uh, it kind of saddens me. It angers me a little bit. And um, I'm I'm hoping that there's continued pushback going forward um, when it comes to this. Um, so let's let's move to this case that you where you were representing the um, Donia Anna County Corrections officer. I think hence I, I think since he's he's I guess left that position. Um, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, can you kind of give us kind of a brief synopsis of that case in particular, which was in Mar uh, started in March and, and, uh, where have you gone from there since, um, I, I guess, uh, Isaac, uh, Lagarada, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, has, uh, I guess left the Doniana corrections, uh, uh, facility or, or, or his position. Right. So we were contacted on a Friday telling us that, uh, the County of Dona Ana had mandated, uh, the shots for all of their first responders, who included the correctional officers, firefighters, EMS people. And uh, they were supposed to have it on Monday. Well, we could hardly get our work together to file a complaint as quickly as we needed to. And we asked them not to do that, not to take the shot, but to protest it and to assert their right to their own bodily privacy and, not, and, and to refuse the jab. Uh, Isaac was one of those who did uh, refuse. We filed the suit and uh, they made his environment, his work environment so hostile 
that he did not feel safe working there anymore and he had to find another job. Certainly when you're working with prisoners, you want to make sure that your fellow officers have your back if something goes wrong. And mm -hmm. so he found another job. We got another plaintiff as well who was also fired. Uh, Isaac was constructively terminated by the hostile work environment, but this other one was was terminated, um, Z Z Zicola. And uh, so we've, we've already amended the complaint once to add a, the other plaintiff. We amended the complaint to add a whistleblower count because now we have uh, under statute, we have a whistleblower claim because of the hostile work environment they created. And we have briefed uh, motions to dismiss and uh, our, our preliminary injunction uh, request was denied by the judge on the pretense that we didn't file a separate motion. Of but course. It was actually filed with the complaint. It was there. It was in the court record. Yeah. And she denied it saying that we didn't do something that we actually did. Uh, so it, it's like the system, the system is broken. We have to recognize the judicial system is broken. Our government system is broken. Our banks are broken. Our medical system is broken. We have to create something new. We cannot build on these broken systems and fix them. They're too broken. And so at this point, I'm telling people, you know, do things like get to know your sheriffs. Your sheriffs are going to be the last line of defense we have between us and the Chinese army coming in here and force vaccinating us. So get to know who your sheriffs are in your county. We have 33 counties in New Mexico, and most of our sheriffs are constitutional. If you find out that your sheriff doesn't walk the talk and isn't keeping his oath to the constitutions, get out of Dodge because you're not going to be safe. So we're asking, we're telling people, you, you're going to have to transition here. There's going to be some transitions. People are going to be losing their jobs. We, we as lawyers cannot fight to keep everybody in their jobs. And then we have, have to ask them, why do you want to work for somebody who doesn't care if you are harmed by this dangerous, untested, relatively speaking, untested concoction? Why would you want to work for somebody who doesn't even care any more for his or her employees than to want to make you take this dangerous concoction? Yeah. Doesn't make yeah, any sense. Well, and that's, you know, that's something there was a ruling by U.S. District Judge Damon R. Leahy. I don't know if that's how it's how it's said, um, where he ruled against uh, college students who didn't want to take the vaccine. Um, he said that they aren't being forced to take the vaccine against their will. He said they have real options, taking the vaccine, applying for a religious exemption, applying for a medical exemption, applying for a medical deferral, taking a semester off or attending another university or online. And so he's basically saying there's a choice, but there really isn't a choice. And, and, and that ruling kind of, you know, put the halt, you know, it, it denied a request for a preliminary injunction and, you know, what does that do to to your current lawsuits moving forward? The fact that he's now made that ruling. Well, his ruling is not precedential for New Mexico. That was against the Indiana okay. University. So, uh, you know, if it goes up to the Supreme Court and they affirm it, then that would be precedential for all states. Right now, it's, it's strictly limited to Indiana. Uh, schools. But uh, certainly, you know, we have the case out of Texas against the Southern Methodist Hospital, and they also ruled at the lower level, it was at the uh, district court level, they ruled that healthcare workers are not 
you know, they're not being forced to take it. They can get another job or they can yeah. do something else. Well, if you've given your heart and soul to your job and to your work for a long time and you're nearing retirement, the thought of being terminated without your retirement benefits is quite that that's there's no choice there. Where's yeah. your choice? And, you know, they're they're turning the language of the FDA language under emergency use authorization, they're turning it on its head when they say that what it says here is that you have the right to accept or refuse this experimental product. They're turning it on its head and saying it doesn't really mean that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's something that was interesting. I mean, do you think things that uh, does, does anything change uh, now that Pfizer has received FDA approval? And I know that's kind of murky. Uh, I saw Dr. Robert Malone. He had his own opinions about that approval and what it actually meant and didn't mean. I don't know if you've had a chance to look over those documents, but what is your opinion, first of all, of that and then what that means going forward as far as mandates? That's another example of the lawlessness that's happening right now, a complete lawlessness. So they, what they did is Pfizer took BioNTech, that was the name of their, their uh, concoction, that is an mRNA-based uh, bioweapon. And they took that and gave it another legal entity named Kami Arnauti. It's not pronounced that, that's how I say it. Kami yeah. Arnauti, that's their new version of BioNTech. It's the same thing. It's the same formula. And they rubber stamped it, pushed it through, and they have a completely different legal entity for this new one, but it's the same shot. And in fact, they have about five or six footnotes in their FDA approval letter saying that these two are interchangeable. And because there aren't enough manufactured Kami Arnauti shots, you can substitute the BioNTech. So they're backdooring an emergency use authorization shot into the approval because it's the same thing. So yeah. it is completely lawless, completely it, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that this is happening in our country that I thought was a free country and that we were not the products. We were not the slaves. Our bodies are not the products and, and property of the state. We are, we are each divine beings endowed with inalienable rights from our creator. And from that, we created government to serve us. No, they serve themselves and they're treating us like they're chattel. Yeah. You said yesterday uh, that the governor's mandates are not laws, and you made that very clear. You specifically cited Article 4, Section 2 of the New Mexico Constitution, which deals with disaster emergency uh, and the declaration of martial law. Why don't you elaborate a little bit on this position? The legislature can delegate emergency legislative powers to the governor under narrow circumstances. That's in our constitution, New Mexico constitution. Those narrow circumstances require that within seven days of her getting that, uh, declaring a disaster emergency, usually due to, in fact, that's what the, the constitution says, due to enemy attack. We could call this an enemy attack. I think President Trump did call it an enemy attack. The, Ch the Chinese virus, but at any rate, she's supposed to have a disaster that would that would require martial law. She's supposed to call a special legislative session within seven days of exercising those delegated for a narrow purpose executive uh, legislative powers, and she has not done that. 
And in fact, when the when the legislature tried to get its power back by passing a bill in their general session last January, it failed. I'm going, what? Yeah. Why do you even need a bill? Why don't you just take your powers back? She didn't she didn't have the right to take them away from you permanently and collapse all three branches into one tyrannical despotic branch. That is the very definition of tyranny. It's it's been held that in cases for a very long time. The collapse of those three branches into one branch is tyranny. That is a definition of tyranny. And that's what we're under right now. Yeah, so you kind of alluded to this fact with your kind of dealings with the you know, the justice system as it exists today. You said that this legal process has been a rude awakening. Um, and so you're, now you're going to start taking your case to the court of public opinion. So what do you expect the, effect, the effectiveness of that strategy is being that, yeah, it, it, it looks more and more like legal avenues and legal recourse um, are corrupted, broken, and not willing to give you really or anyone a fair hearing. Right, right. This, this issue is so huge, and I don't think that we're, we're going to have – I'm not saying that every judge is corrupted at all. I think there are some very good judges out there, and they are also being brainwashed and coerced and pressured. The judges are the, – the, our Supreme Court recently said that they recommend everybody have the bioweapon. Why are they practicing medicine? You know, they're not even science majors, most of them, you know, liberal arts majors. But <laughs> why are they doing this? because they want to kill all of us. This is a massive genocide. People need to wake up. And you know, I'm not gonna wake them up through the slow grind at the court. And I'm not even going to bother with the court anymore because that's not where, where my best voice is going to be heard. It's going to be heard by getting interviews like this and being able to speak to people in the park like I did yesterday, you know, and being able to speak in front of groups. People need to wake up because like I said, I quoted that, that quote, you know, first they came for the gypsies and I'm not a gypsy. So I didn't say anything, you know, and I was thinking today I could adapt that very easily. First they came for the first responders and I'm not a first responder. So I didn't say anything. Then they came for the teachers and the nurses and the doctors, but I'm not that either. So I didn't say anything. Then they came for the children and I didn't say anything because I'm not a child. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak up. People need to understand history is repeating itself. Look at Nazi Germany. Look at your history, which I guess they don't teach in school anymore. You know, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. And this is exactly what's happening. So it's, it's, we are on a precipice of disaster and people need to wake up and understand that. And if they continue believing the pablum they have been fed, the Kool-Aid that they're drinking, you know, I mean, I don't see how I can get a fair shake in a court where most of the judges are going to be vaccinated or are wearing masks. If they're doing that, they've already been co-opted. They already believe the state narrative and they're not going to be open-minded to hear that we are under a tyrannical despot right now. Hmm. They don't want to hear that. Here, here. So you passed out some constitutionally non-compliant business kind of notices uh, take a minute to explain those because I read that yesterday and I was slow clapping to myself, obviously, but because I unfortunately didn't have an opportunity to attend the rally. Yeah, could you just kind of take a minute and explain uh, what that means? What does a constitutionally non compliant business What is that? Well, it is not only our right to oppose 
the tyrannical overreach of government, it is our duty. It's in the Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson clearly set that out. It is our duty to oppose these kinds of infringements of our inalienable rights. So I have, I have prepared something for businesses so that they can notify their customers that they are constitutionally compliant by being non-compliant with these illegal laws. And so we, we, we want to, it's partly an education tool to let the businesses know, but also we believe that most of the sheriffs in New Mexico will stand by us with that particular peaceful non-compliance. And the only, the reason, you know, to go back to the earlier part of your show, the reason that 10 or a thousand more state troopers were hired is probably to do the will of the governor. And they're really going to be there to intimidate businesses into compliance or to intimidate them and threaten them with fines because the sheriffs know that these are illegal mandates. They know that. The sheriffs mm -hmm. took an oath to uphold the New Mexico and the federal constitution. They didn't take an oath to uphold public health orders or to uphold illegal mandates. They took an, they took an oath to uphold our constitutional liberties and rights for the people. And I, I, I love the sheriffs that I met at the Sheriff's Association meeting. They were so passionately caring for their, for their counties and the people in their counties. And you could, you could see that. They're really good people, good-hearted people. And I think we've got a real good sheriff here in San Juan County, Sheriff Ferrari. So I'm happy, I'm happy to be in San Juan County. I'm happy to have gone away from the counties where they don't have uh, constitutional sheriffs, you know? For whatever reason, they're not going to, they're not going to uphold the constitution or they're, they have not in the past anyway done that. Yeah. And so, you kind of, you kind of addressed uh, my next question on that note. I spoke with Shane Ferrari, I think it was last week when I was working on the story um, with a nurse who was kind of blowing the whistle on what was going on at San Juan Regional Medical Center. And he even mentioned that his department was down 15 guys. And a lot of that is because of everything that has gone on um, with demonizing the police. And now you do see Grisham come forward with these thousand officers. I think it becomes very obvious what the game plan was all along. It's to remove constitutionally minded law enforcement and replace them with, you know, thugs of their own choosing that will do their will. Um, that all that being said, and this is all kind of a loaded question, but I have a tendency to do that. Um, you know, I did see that uh, the sheriff's department number was included on the flyer you handed out. Is that something that you had discussed with Sheriff Ferrari and cleared with him? He was very supportive in my phone call with him, but he didn't go so far as to say he was completely aligned. So I guess that's more the question I'm asking is, is he does he now endorse this move? I can't say whether he does, but I would I would guess that given what little I know of him, that he would support us and that he will support the, the business owners in non-compliance. And so when the police come, uh, the state police or the local police come, basically their only authority in a county where there is a constitutional-based sheriff, their only authority is to issue a ticket. They can't you know, shut the business down. They can't uh, harass anybody. They can just issue a ticket and then they leave. So that's the extent of their power at this point. So these mandates are 
probably because they're illegal, they should not be enforced. But as we know, the courts are not following the law either. So there we are. We're, we're you know, the enforcement actions are limited because uh, the courts have been co-opted largely. Uh, you know, I saw the police in Albuquerque going towards a, a restaurant and four or five of the police who were very heavily masked, we could hardly even identify them at all had they not had a name tag. And uh, some of them, you couldn't see their name tags, but they all descended on this restaurant along with the New Mexico Environmental Department, the city of Albuquerque, and the public health department. They all descended as one focused attack. You can't tell me that this was random. And the, the police really were kind of uncomfortable enforcing it. That's what was so interesting. They didn't really want to give the man a ticket. They didn't really want to, you know, do anything drastic. And so they didn't. They just stood there and basically acted intimidatingly. But that was it. They, they, I think they know. They have to know in their hearts that this is all so wrong. It's so wrong. I, I don't know why people aren't. Well, we are protesting in the streets, actually. And there yeah. were a thousand people in the Albuquerque streets protesting, you know, about the yeah. mandate. That's kind of the thing that has been most uh, disappointing to a lot of the uh, crowd that we've spoke to, people we've highlighted, people we've platformed about this kind of worship and adherence to backing the blue, which no offense. Yeah, I, I, I definitely support it in light of the fact that I live near a metro area where the where the bodies are piling up by the day. Um, so there's there, there's a time to reimagine police and there's a time to actually go crack heads. But how much support do you think people are going to and how much leeway and how much benefit of the doubt do you think people are going to give the police if they're doing more of this kind of standing around and being the intimidation arm? of the public health department and et cetera, and the bureaucrats and seeing they, they uh, you, you, you said like these officers appeared to look like they knew they were doing something wrong, but yet they did nothing. I mean, how much longer are people going to uh, allow this to happen? How much respect have the police and even to certain, certain County sheriffs lost because of these brutal enforcement regimes? I mean, the, what is your sense just talking to people? You know, I, I think that most people go into that business, just like healthcare workers go into the business of healthcare. They do it because they want to help people. I do believe that most people have honorable reasons for why they chose that, their profession. And, you know, despite that, I think they're in a very hard place too. The state police work for the governor. The city police work for the mayor. As we know, most of the mayors, the mayor of Santa Fe, the mayor of Albuquerque, you know, there are mayors all around who are so liberal and they want their police to enforce their illegal mandates. But in Santa Fe County, you know what? The police used to come. We had open meetings in the park with 50 of us sitting around, you know, elbow to elbow with no mask on when the masks were required by the city and the gov government. And three or four policemen would show up and police women would show up. And we talk to them and say, this is what we're about and this is why we're doing it. And it's a political protest of sorts. And they never ticketed us. Never did. They didn't want to have to do that. Well, so. and, and that's good. I mean, yesterday you said, and you've, and you've alluded to this throughout this program so far today, but that we are dealing with a lawless society. 
And yesterday you said all the rules are off the table. You said that we have the option to act irrationally if we have to in order to push back. What do you see as far as irrational actions? I mean, and what are those? What do those look like? How effective do you think they'll be at ending this tyranny? And are they really irrational? Given that we're dealing with psychopaths, uh, they might seem irrational or rude or something else, something that we've been taught not to do because, ooh, it's un-PC or it's rude. For example, you enter a store and someone says, you can't shop here without a mask. And you go, well, but obviously I, I'm shopping here. What do you mean I can't? You know, and you just keep yeah. going. And you, and you just like pretend like you're a, a, you know, a confused old Biden or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can do anything. You can act crazy as long as you're not harming anyone or harassing anyone, you know, and just go about your business. Mm -hmm. Ignore them, you know? Mm. I mean, the people who say, where's your mask? It's like, it's on my dog today. I, you know, just it, <laughs> come out with something. My dog's wearing it today. So, uh, you know. Yeah, it has be become absurd. Be, and, and it, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm, I, I have a history of satire, so I can certainly understand the, the uh, usefulness of absurdity in combating absurdity. Um, you, you, so you are, have now moved to Farmington? Yes. Or, or you're in the process. And, and so what was your main influence in picking Farmington? I have to ask. I've lived here a very long time. My main influence is I do have some wonderful family here. And uh, that's, that was a big draw for me. And another one was uh, I see flags everywhere here. And I see, uh, you know, um, Trump Pence signs. So I knew I was in, you know, more sane territory. So I have well, to get a sense. charger for my phone. It's oh, I might, where my computer was by my desk. Uh, well, that's all right. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping up. Um, we'll just, we'll just leave it at this so you can go and you can deal with this. But what do you think the most important, if you had to pick one thing, what is the most important thing New Mexicans can do right now to stand up for our freedoms and see New Mexico rise? You know, just, stand strong and know that this is all so very wrong what you have to do is absolutely stand your ground and you know make them fire you stand your ground and strike if you need to do collective action we've got to unify all of us need to be in this together and and i'm trying to marshal the troops so to speak i'm trying to be uh someone who is sounding the trumpet you know for god's army because you've got to choose your side right now and i'm telling you God's going to win this. I'm going to be on the side of the winner. So that's who I'm choosing to be with. So you got to choose your side. You can choose the devil, Satan, which is what a lot of people have chosen, you know, or you can choose God. And that's, that's the most important message I can give people. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll let you, we'll let you go charge your phone. Baca, what are we doing? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I was, um, we're, we're making a show where I was oh. taking notes. I was, oh. I was, I, some of my favorite moments was when you guys talked about civil, well, I, it's civil disobedience, mm -hmm. right? That's what you're getting at. You yeah. said, be absurd. I think 
Miss Garner said, "Be a confused old Biden." Was that the yes, quote that, of the? <laughs> that that is what she said. She said, "Worst case, you can be a confused old Biden." I mean, nap right through your meeting with the 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 Prime Minister of Israel. Whatever you got to do, because Mike Lindell's looking out for you. He'll bring the pillow right there. Good times, good times, yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> anything? Else? I mean, do you guys have anything to shill? Do we have anything going on this week you'd like people to check out? Oh, it's um, the same old thing, everybody. We really appreciate you watching. Likes, shares, subscribes, get the word out. I felt this was a particularly informative episode. So you'll definitely want to get it out there to as many people as possible because this is this is this is here. This isn't something that we're looking out into the future and saying they're going to do it. They're doing it now. It's they're doing happening. it now. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. Get ready. No, this this is this is this is not this is not irrational. This is not irrational. This is not now hypothetical. These are, you know, again, the first volleys, opening volleys of them assaulting freedom um, openly. They've been doing it in the background for a very long time. Um, and yeah, we, we need to be uh, irrational in our civil disobedience, but not to the point of violence. And we need to basically say, Nah, we're not going to do that anymore. I mean, that's generally what's going to have to happen going forward. And I, it was, it was really good to really have someone on who's got smart, uh, understands the law. You know, again, I think she, yeah, she has an undergrad in um, biology, um, so she's not talking, you know, out, out of, you know, out of her, out of her rear end about nonsense. Cranus. And then like, yeah, 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 the cranus is that what we want to call it? That was that was what. Uh... That was what uh, Chris Crochet uh, so poignantly put on the last Farmington Tribune post about people growing orifices, extra orifices. <laughs> <laughs> so so like do, we, a, do we have a show next week, uh, Chris, or do we? Or, uh, or... We do. Um, one moment. Usually I'm, I'm all of that ready to go. I was getting ready to shield something for you, but uh, next week we have Blair Dunn coming in uh, a week from today, and so that should be fun. I like I like following Blair online. Uh, if you're not already, you should, because he's usually got some interesting ways of framing some of the topics of the day for New Mexicans, and I appreciate that. Um, Wednesday, we don't have a Wednesday guest. May, ha, have we? It, there's 11 people on. How about you people that uh, get in the comments? You let us know maybe who you'd like to see on a Wednesday episode. Actually, I think maybe we have Aaron Clements this Wednesday, but you know that's weird. I'm gonna try and lock that right. in. Right, that's that's kind of one of those things that flows out there. So, but so. you know, tell us who you guys would want to see on the show. Is that does that sound reasonable? Right, I think sure. so. That's yeah, I think sure. so. It sounds very reasonable. Um, do Do you guys have anything to sell? Is any beer companies taking us up as a as a charity case yet? Not, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Well, we're looking not at yet. you, Santa Fe Brewing Company, because we would love to hawk a uh, happy camper and 7K uh, to the 15 people that watch. I week. think I think I, wa- I might have one. If you yeah. are in the local area, if you are in Albuquerque and you can, you know, risk the violence. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> go, <laughs> go to go to Duke City Taco. Um, great stuff. It's great stuff over there. Great eatery. And there's also a certain beverage on tap there by mm. someone on New Mexico Rising who you might know. Certainly. Well, Thad brews beers and he sells Chloe box thingies. <laughs> <laughs> we sell, these are things. So you can go get his beer and drink it while you too become the proud over, owner of a Thad's Chloe box thingy. Thad's <laughs> Chloe box thingies are safe for children and pets. And they also turn up the style in which you live. You should buy a Thad's Glowy Box thingy right away. Thad's Glowy Box thingies are great. God bless you, Baca. You really are. <laughs> uh, 
You're just an absolute treasure. You're a treasure to New Mexico. One of these days, they'll recognize you as a national treasure. Thanks for watching, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys later. Bye.